a guy messaged us on Instagram asking for us to show to his band. Don't, don't. To that guy, if you're listening, fuck you. Don't, okay? you know There's you, your well, shout out. Yeah, here's a shout out for you. Go kick, go kick some rocks. All right, first of all, I, I guarantee you he will not listen to this. Well, Second of all, you know what? Hey, I I I, under, I can appreciate the struggle, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna condemn him like as you have. I didn't condemn him. I just gave him a shout out. Uh, go uh, go climb a go climb a tree. It's not a shout out if you're not even naming him. What was his name? Billy, James. I don't know. I don't know. He's uh, he has a he has a something called on beat. <laughs> But uh, we appreciate this sponsorship deal, uh, you know. Sony, Coke, if you guys want to give us a call, we can work some promos in. No no problem. Warren Buffett, give us a call. Yeah, man, should. It was, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you're offering, I'm buying what he's selling. What uh, what movie are we talking, uh, talking about today, Matt? Uh, we're talking about... Uh, Days and confused. Right on. Uh, Matthew is tired again this show, uh, but we'll, 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 the show must go on. I'm t- <laughs> I, yeah. You know what? I, I am tired. And you know what? I work 40 hours a week. Yep. And you know what? Sometimes when my friend says, hey, let's hang out uh, late at night, I say, okay. <laughs> and then we stay out really, really late, and I go, mm, all right. And then I, and then when I have to wake up next day, go to work and do the show, uh, I get tired. Hey, you know what? That's yeah. Cut it out. Cut what out? The tiredness. You, you're always so tired. You're always on that damn tired. Yeah, I know. I need help. Okay. So you know, I need. I need somebody to bail me out of this. I need I need an, an energy drink or something. Matthew, can you give us a plot summary of this movie? Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, this movie. Um, it's 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 a sort of an ensemble cast here, so it's not. There's no protagonist. Well, there are like pseudo protagonists, I suppose. Pink Floyd, who is Randall Pink Floyd, who is the quarterback. Uh, he's played by Jason London. He's one of the leads. I would say he's yeah. the lead. I guess he's the lead. I, but there are multiple different uh, little sects of high schoolers that we're following here. Like um, they're following a couple of nerds. We're following these uh, middle schoolers who are, you know, having their first high school experiences they mm-hmm. get hazed and uh it basically follows this these group of youngins on a rip roar and a good time uh on a summer night in texas in 1976 on the last day of school yeah and uh yep that's that's it now i will i won't beat around the bush okay i like this movie I think yeah. it's a good movie. Matthew, yeah. you know, what do you think? Um, I think it's I think it's interesting. Okay. Um, so. and I think it and I think it's well made. Okay. Um, you know, I was reading the Roger Ebert review for this. 
Okay, as I do sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and he and I and I hate to just ape, ape what he said, but he said it's like art cross with anthropology, and it's interesting in that regard because this movie, I guess, is sort of just like uh, it's just kind of a study. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's more than to me just a nostalgic trip um, for Richard Linklater, who I believe wrote and directed this movie. But it's sort of a a study of what it's what the youth experience is like, what the teenage experience is like, um, the different kinds of upbringings and such like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a pretty decent film overall, I would say. It's enjoyable. Okay. You'd be hard. Pre- you'd be hard pressed. Uh, to watch this movie and and really come away with nothing I think. I think there's at least a little bit something for everybody. I didn't I don't know if I loved it. Yeah, I think the reason why there's a little bit of everything for uh a little bit of everything uh for anybody is because they really have all of the uh what's the word? archetypal uh Yeah, archetypal. Archetypal uh characters here. We got the nerds. We got the jocks. We got the stoners. We got the dropout. We, we got the we got the Matthew McConaughey character. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> you know what I love about these high school girls, man? What? I stay the same age. They get older. All right. All right. All right. Because <laughs> he's stuck in hell. What? Sorry. <laughs> he's stuck in hell. That's why he's staying the same age. <laughs> What do you like so much about this movie? Because I know you've seen this movie uh, countless times over the last few months or so, mm-hmm. uh, and you're a big fan of it. What what's a what's the grab for you? For me, I don't know. Like all the jokes land for me. Um, this is just like this isn't a real criticism, but I find a lot in this movie really cool. Uh, I think it's just really interesting to watch this era in which I'll never be able to participate in. Uh, but it's just kind of like this, uh, this, this gateway to another time. Um, and from all the reviews that I've read of it, of people who have lived through this time, they said that's really accurate. So uh, it's interesting to just go back and, and kind of take a trip, trip back in time with this movie, almost like um, kind of like what, when I talk to you about watching old interviews with people who have now passed, it's like, I'll never be able to, to meet these people, but I kind of have a little gateway through this interview. Um, it's the same thing with this movie. Uh, I think there's a lot of love, a lot to love in this movie. I mean, the soundtrack is killer. They have a great cast in this movie. Like, I don't think anyone in this movie was casted poorly. Uh, even like, no, it's a good cast. Yeah. Even like the extras are great. Um, I love the look of the movie. I think everything looks great. I don't know. Does everything works for me? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, one thing that is kind of like annoying on repeated views now, and I brought this up to you when we were hanging out. I don't know when. Um, I said that they kind of have these awkward scene transitions where they'll just start playing a song and then it'll just fade into the scene. And they do that quite a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one thing that kind of annoys me. Um, 
But yeah, uh, other than that, a lot of it just just works. I mean, obviously, and like every character has an arc, really. All of the main-ish characters have arcs. I love the arc of, um, I forget the character's name, but one of the nerd guys um, <laughs> who like punches this dude and he's just like so mad, he's calling him like a fascist oh, and a Nazi. What? Mike, that's Mike, played by Adam Goldberg, uh, who is in who you people might recognize as the guy who gets stabbed by the German uh, in Saving Private Ryan in at the end of the film. Oh. He was like he's he was the Jew he was the Jewish member of the Saving Private Ryan platoon. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know. He's so funny. Like even he has his own mini art because he's kind of like the confused um artist type character although he's not an artist but you know what i mean like he wanted to go to law school but now he wants to dance and you know he wants like a visceral experience and is visceral the right word yeah he wants yeah um and then he gets that uh, and then the character like Matthew McConaughey, he's not really supposed to change, and then he doesn't in this movie, which is exactly how it's supposed to be. All he cares about is getting his rock and roll tickets and uh, getting some high school uh, loving. So he, he wants rock and roll tickets, and he want to get his rocks off. Woo! <laughs> oh yeah, let's go. Yeah, so I mean, uh, and a lot of the culture in the movie I, I find appealing. It's just interesting to watch. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just love it. Everything it's works a good for movie. me. It, it's pretty good. Um, speaking of the soundtrack, which is obviously a big focal point of the movie, I mean, it's great. I mean, if this, uh, if there's, if I ever see this at the record store, I'll probably pick it up because it's got all the classics. It's got slow ride, sweet emotion, summer breeze. Sweet yeah. emotion is not on the uh, physical soundtrack, unfortunately. That that's, that stuff is always dumb. I don't really get that. But they um, charged a hundred uh, well, grand for for it to be in the movie. Well, I'm sure this whole thing costs a lot of money. Low mm -hmm. rider, rock and roll all night. It's got Black Sabbath. It's got everybody. It's good stuff. However, I will agree with you that there was a I, there was a late in the film around past the midpoint i think when the slow ride transi transition happens mm -hmm. i was a little bit frustrated because i did notice that a um i think that the use of the songs a little bit more sparingly would have been uh would have been a bit better use of the music i didn't mind like that these rock and roll songs from the 70s are peppered throughout the film mm -hmm. but there's a lot of them and some of the and they're usually used for transitions when there isn't a nice segue from one scene to another, but that's kind of given the loose structure of the film because if you had to give a plot summary of the film, it's teenagers on the last day of school in Texas, but they all do their own thing. It's very free form, and I can appreciate the fact that it feels very earnest. It's very honest filmmaking in the sense that it feels very realistic. Yeah. Obviously, like some stuff has some movie sheen or shine or whatever, but it's all very plausible and very relatable. There's stuff I think that anybody can relate to, even though this is set in Texas in 1976 or whatever. There's some universal stuff um, about childhood and adolescence and that kind of experience that I think will resonate with everybody to a degree. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a, it's an interesting approach to the film. 
I thought this was interesting. Originally, this film started out as Richard Linklater making an ex- a sort of experimental film where it was just going to be two guys, a couple of guys in a car driving for the entirety of an album. Okay. Um, to a ZZ Top album. Um, huh. Eight tracks of it, and then they would, the movie would end when the album was done. Yeah. So, and I can kind of see how this evolved from that idea. I thought that was a really interesting concept. I would like to see Richard Richard Linklater to go really experimental with his coming of age uh, period pieces. Yeah. One another thing that I love about this movie is like the amount that of like time storylines like overlap and evolve. Uh, like you, we have all these groups and then we're following these groups on their journey, but then other characters from different groups will join them. They'll, they'll, other characters will break off from the group and do their own thing. And like, it's, it's insane the amount of storylines that we have in this movie and it still works. I mean, people praised like guardians of the galaxy or whatever, not, or like Avengers, I guess, for like doing shit like that. No, Guardians of the Galaxy, how it had like a pretty big cast. Um, and they're like, this is insane. Well, this movie has, I don't know, five times that. And I think they pull it off. So if people think that that shit is impressive, then I think this should be equally as impressive, if not more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I th- like that. That's something I noticed the second time watching it, just the amount of overlap there is overlap in terms of like just storylines oh yeah there is some good in there i will admit that the the weaving of the storylines is actually pretty well done yeah they don't they don't intersect too much um but it's all done pretty credibly you know like for example in one of the more deaf transitions uh was when the um the older senior girls are uh are doing the initiation for the incoming freshman girls and they're like pouring ketchup on them and calling them the B word and all those other bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she commands, uh, one of the older girls commands a younger one to propose uh, to another student, a male one. And then that kind of kicks off a storyline and a romance from that. Mm-hmm. And that feels very organic because that would, that really does feel like something that would happen. And it's not, it doesn't have that kind of artificial movie feel that sometimes coming of age movies do, where I think it's very romantic and cinematic in that sense. In fact, one of the things that I might applaud Linklater for is that he, he actually does look at some of the uglier sides yes. of, of, this, of this period of life. Obviously, these, these are teenagers and some of them children, so they're relatively insecure and they have their own problems, but... It's not all peachy keen for them. Um, there's quite a lot of vicious bullying in it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's quite there's um, there's like abuse. There's a <laughs> a mom pulls a shotgun on Ben, <laughs> on ben Affleck. Affleck. <laughs> ben Affleck's character, who is who is great in this movie, and yes. in fact, Ben Affleck usually isn't a standout to me. No offense to him, but I actually enjoyed his role very much in this movie because he basically plays the jerk and that's his whole thing uh which is great because number one um ben affleck is playing like a teenage jerk with his full curly head of hair is i don't know just hilarious to me but for example when they get back at him and they dump some pig lard or something on him 
he has the greatest freak out I've ever seen. It feels very authentic. <laughs> yeah. And I swear to God, in my high school, I saw at least three kids act the same way. Oh, definitely. You know, sometimes a uh, gym teacher will say, you know, eat that egg sandwich outside. Uh, <laughs> and your kid will slam the door because he's kind of pissed. You know, just those kind of little moments. Yeah. It's captured very well here. I've never had an issue with stuff like this because I'm so desensitized to it. But you know, like the trope of how in um, high school movies, the teenagers all look like they're 30 years old. Yeah. How do you think that, uh, what, what, how do you, or how should I say this? What do you think, uh, like, oh shit, how should I say this? Do you think they look 30 in this movie or do you think they look like of age? They, uh, I don't know. Like it's, it's spotty casting all around the, the nerdy guy who kind of looks like a young Jeffrey Dahmer. He looked older than a teenager. The blonde guy. Um, yeah. The blonde guy. Okay. I forgot his name. These, yeah, all too. these names are escaping me because they're just like Mike and Jim and Benny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like some of them, like, um, who's, who's that one lady who, who's wearing like an overall set? I think she's a Mitch's brother. Oh, Jody yeah. Jody Kramer. Yeah. Yeah, she looked kind of older. She looked like a like an older college student, but oh well. Okay. It's not it, like that to me. That doesn't make or break it. I liked in Twenty One Jump Street when they kind of made fun of that, and mm-hmm. they had uh, they were just pointing out how old they look all the time. <laughs> it doesn't bother me because, and I looked into this, and it may be obvious to others, but I wasn't really sure until. I looked into this like a while back. The the simple reason that they don't just get actual high schoolers is that it's just like more legal complication in that regard because there's more rules and regu- regulations in terms of pay and hours when you have child actors. So oh. they did Linklater did a decent job. Yeah, that's why they do it. Okay. Uh, you'd think because I used to think why don't they just cast child at like seventeen, sixteen year olds? But I mean. W- Aside from the fact that you'll have to work with sixteen and seventeen year old kids, um, there the SAG is going to be on your ass. The Screen Actors Guild, if if you don't give them their lunch break every hour or whatever, so is Isn't there a, is there a storyline in this movie that you uh, that you don't like? All right, so let's go over some of the storylines here. There's there's the main storyline where it's Randall Pink Floyd. Um, his, he's faced with this sort of ultimatum. His football team coach wants him to sign a waiver that says he won't do any drugs and any alcohol, uh, which of course, as a 17 year old boy is exactly what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. So he, he's kind of drift. His storyline is drifting about while tackling with his decision and wondering what kind of future he wants. That, that stuff all was, uh, very good to me. I think it was uh, very thematically strong. It was the, probably the the strongest storyline overall. I really liked at the end of the film, spoilers, when he sort of rejects, when he rejects the idea that he'll sign the waiver and he says he might play football, but he embraces his friends rather than this, you know, supposed future that people have constructed from. That's good. Mm-hmm. The stuff with the, the stuff with the quote unquote nerds is all pretty good. Although Tony, I think is the guy's character. Um, because he looks like Jeffrey Dahmer, he creeped me out, so I could not <laughs> buy into his romance. And I was just scared for this young girl. Like, please run away. You don't know what he has in store. He's going to drill a hole into your head. 
Um, and then what else is there? There's Mitch. The the Mitch Kramer stuff with him and his friends is all great. That was probably actually some of my favorite stuff in the film, mm-hmm. just because it reminded me when I was twelve. Um, and what else is there? There isn't really much more than that, is there? I guess they're not even nerd characters. They'd be more like I guess like the liberal, um, like kids. They're like mean? yeah. They're 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 kind of like the they're kind of like um if I have to reference Twenty One Jump Street again they're kind of like um what's his name Eric and his friends yeah that's who they remind me of of like the kind of progressive like hmm the think the thinking high schoolers yeah yeah um I love I love like Matthew Mc everyone says this but Matthew McConaughey's character is so good. Yeah, he is good. It's funny, and his role is so understated. All he's doing here is just playing like kind of a he's he's just this bum. Like I don't even know how old he's meant to be in the movie, like twenty something, I mm-hmm. suppose. And he just kind of plays this guy that still hangs around with teenagers. All he cares about is uh, getting high mm-hmm. and uh, drinking beer and having a good time. And the funny thing about his character is that he's not like enthusiastic or wild or anything. He's so he's so he's so cool about it mm-hmm. and it's like in the way that a guy's like just trying to be cool yeah. you know but it's it just comes off funny like there's so many quotable lines from this guy like the high school girls line um or the one where it's like do you have a joint and <laughs> and she says no and he'd be like it would be a lot cooler if you did <laughs> just stuff like that is great i actually wish you know if we're doing these if we're taking cult movies here and we're spinning them off with characters i'd watch a movie with this guy <laughs> I would watch that over the Jesus roles. I think I think this guy is more deserving of film, and you know because like as bad as it sounds, you can kind of see yourself as him. They ask him, you know, what is he doing for a career, and he's saying, ah, oh, you know, I'm working for the city right now. It's not great, but it's a little bit of money in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And you know, he just kind of and it's a nice it's a nice way to show the transitory period between when you're an older teen or like in your twenties. Versus when you have to like fully enter adulthood like that, and you're kind of in that awkward in between period. Yeah, I, 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 it might sound bad, but I related to this character um, to a certain degree. It's also <laughs> just funny how he, you know, and he, he just chasing uh, the high school poon and such like that. <laughs> He's classic. It is. I don't. I, I like his pants too. <laughs> I yeah. you know what I'm if one thing we need to bring back from the seventies it's that it's a clean tuck. Mm-hmm. They got this tuck going on where the shirt is tight, okay, and then the pants come up high. Yeah, and it looks good as hell. Yeah, I, 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 you haven't seen the movie, but his character I feel like was really supposed to be, like. Um, I mean, not, maybe not his character, but there are a few things in this movie that I think are callbacks to American Graffiti. Um, namely, he has, like, the cigarette pack rolled up in his sleeve. I'm talking about, like, Matthew McConaughey's character. And Mm -hmm. the stud in, like, American Graffiti, um, he also did the same thing. And then there's, like, this one yellow car that they drive around in this movie that's, like, identical to American Graffiti. And obviously, um, this movie is, like, the 70s American Graffiti. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Just, American Graffiti was set in what early fifties or early sixties? Yeah, yeah. And like super bad is the two thousands uh, American Graffiti. 
Yeah, I guess so. Even though I'm I'm still not sold on Super Bad. Maybe I've seen that movie like four times. Maybe on like the fifth watch, it's gonna <laughs> click. Maybe. I'm seriously waiting for it because, and I don't mind raunchy comedies at all, but it's hard for me to get past it in that movie. Like what about it? In Superbad, like it's yeah. just like so, I, it's not raunchy to the point of being nauseating, but it's just like sex, penis, haha, come, you know, and it's like man, like <laughs> when is something else gonna happen, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm I don't know. It didn't it didn't work. It's it hasn't been working for me. I'm trying, guys. I know everybody loves Superbad. Everyone always suggests it's the classic line and the classic move. I hang out with some people and they say, let's put on Superbad and I just have to keep quiet and watch the movie again and hope this time I like it. Because Superbad is, everyone's seen it, everyone likes it. Um, what did you think about the two big romance plots in this movie? So there's the romance plot with Pink Floyd, which is not really a romance plot, if that's what you're referring to. No, I'm, I'm talking about Mitch and... Uh... And uh, Jeffrey Dahmer's character. All right, so Jeffrey Dahmer, he basically just plays this gentle nerd type character who takes in this younger, um, this younger, I suppose, eighth grade girl who's going into high school. It's a it's a sweet relationship, to be honest. You know, it's it's very typical, uh, you know, high school sort of coming together i guess i don't know it's very prototype it's very prototypical well, they it's, came it's together fine. okay uh you know it's <laughs> like the beatles <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and so that's fine i mean i i joke but it's it was written fine it was a bit of a shock to me because I wasn't sure if I was supposed to like root for Tony in this mainly, and I guess this is I guess obviously people wouldn't care in nineteen seventy six Texas, but it was weird to me that he was like a, basically a senior or eleventh grader and this girl was like thirteen or something, mm-hmm. whatever. It had a nice resolution and such. Um, the other romance plot being Mitch and this other older girl. I don't know what's up with that. It was fine. Um, I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. Like, they're not particularly well-developed, but you have to keep in mind that, you know, this isn't, like, in... This isn't a romantic comedy. This is not adult romance. This is teenage lust where they kind of shuffle around awkwardly around each other and then they start kissing, right? Mm-hmm. So they're both... They're both okay. Um, I really like... One of my favorite shots or scenes of the movie is when towards the... I, I guess early morning after the night, uh, Mitch is lying on a blanket on a hill... While summer, so while summer breeze by Seals and Croft is playing with this young lady, that presumably he's consummated his relationship with, and it's just a nice, uh, very peaceful, very angelic kind of moment that I really liked. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't know. They were fine. There's also like a mini. There's a mini plot with Pink Floyd, Randall Pink Floyd. Where he has this girlfriend that he likes or doesn't mind. And then a couple of times he kisses another girl. And then the girl is like, hey, do you, uh, don't you have a girlfriend? He's like, oh, yeah. And then they stop. <laughs> Which also to a degree felt organic. Yeah. But I think one of my qualms with this movie is kind of in that idea where 
it's very free form in the filmmaking style, and I appreciate it. And this is definitely a type of movie that I like to exist, but I feel like with a little bit more structure, um, it would have been a little bit a little bit more focused and I think I would have enjoyed it a little bit more where there's more definite resolution. And I know that obviously a movie about one day in the life of high schoolers in Texas, 1976 shouldn't have any definite resolution, so to speak, Mm -hmm. but some kind of like definite resounding, uh, more prominent themes would have been good. It's very catch all and it's summation of the experience. So maybe a little bit more focus on a few characters would have been better. I don't know. I don't. I really don't mind the filmmaking approach here, but I just think that it didn't fully succeed for me. Uh, this might be a tough question to answer, but do you? What would you have liked them to focus on? I think like it. I would have rather had maybe like, like keep it a nice, like tight three groups of teenagers to follow sort of deal. And then yeah. you can have their stories intersect later on or at various points in the story. And you can have these tertiary characters doing whatever in the background, but to really hone in on what's going on. The thing with this movie is that it's it's almost like a series of like vignettes where it's like characters are doing things and it's, you know, pl- there's a plot where there's cause and effect. You know, a character will do this and it will lead to this and so on and so forth. But there's a lot going on to the point where, like, any given scene in the movie is probably going to, st- like, st- stick with a character, um, and then you're going to go on to another one, and then maybe a character and his friends. I don't know. It's just a bit... I don't know if, if you're getting what I'm saying here. Uh, I'm understanding what you're saying. I just don't know if I'm completely agreeing with it. Like, I think the whole point was to really capture you know, this one night with all of the kind of archetypal characters. Um, like, I don't think there was one character that I, I was like, uh, he should not be in this. Um, no, be, no, of course, I don't, I agree. Because, and I, and I, and I think that obviously this is the approach he wanted. And I, and I think it's a very deliberate decision to have it in this kind of more open style where yeah you know people are coming and going in the scene but you know and another thing that was a little bit disappointing to me was the comedy aspect it's the movie is funny but it's not like laugh out loud funny and i think it's because there's not a lot of the traditional perhaps um joke uh set up joke punchline that i'm used to mm-hmm. in a comedy film the comedy in this film is very like situational you know you'll laugh at a kid having to tell this keg delivery man to kick rocks so that his parents don't kick his ass yeah. and stuff like that. And and some of it pays off well. But I think there was a lot of times where the jokes or the stuff you're supposed to laugh at um, just kind of petered out and then you would sort of have the next scene transition. I don't know. It's, it's almost like a comedy drama, I guess you could say. Or I guess people would just call it a coming-of-age film and that's kind of just the... Imply some comedy and some drama, mm-hmm. but I didn't find the film to be particularly funny. Well, the tagline of this movie was "Watch it with a bud." Did you do that? I didn't. I watched it by myself because I'm a dumb loser <laughs> and I don't have friends. 
Oh, shit. So, if you're a cool guy, you'll love this movie. <laughs> if you're not a cool guy like me, and you read comic books, uh, you're not going to have... <laughs> you're gonna have you, might, you might still enjoy it, but you're not going to have as good of a time. I don't so, think you know, that was the bud they were referring to. Yeah, well, it's a little du- it's a little double entendre there. Okay, they're talking about they're talking about cannabis. Right. Okay, watch it with some with some bud, smoke dope, and watch the movie. I'm not gonna do that. Damn. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. All the jokes land for me, and even like the situational stuff. Like, oh my gosh, this is one part where these three ladies are driving together, and then one of them is asking the other one to tell them about some drama that happened and she was like i'm not gonna get mad just tell me what she said like i'm not gonna get mad and then the girl's like well she called you a bitch and she's like what the fuck and then she's sort of freaking <laughs> out and then she's like you said you weren't gonna get mad she's like i'm not mad i don't know that stuff is just so funny to me and especially there, like what no sorry you're right there are gold moments that are like that and and a lot of the humor comes to like just the relatability of the scene where it, you know there's you People have probably encountered that sort of situation before, mm-hmm. and it is and it is funny. <laughs> like especially, I love the. Okay, I have to find his name. Uh, Tony's friend. What is his name? It's Mike. Mike. Um, that like that scene where he bumps into the dude, and he's and Mike says something like smells like marijuana in here, like as a joke, and then the dude like freaks out. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm smoking weed with my friends. What of it?" Uh, and then Mike, for the rest of the night, he's like macho man nazi motherfucker and, and like <laughs> he's just it so is funny pissed. and actually that that's like very that's another thing that's very accurate and a very prescient like direction choice is to have like this nerd character star fuming um, yeah after he made a small remark and stuff like that <laughs> i don't know it's <laughs> that to me is like those small moments are where this movie succeeds and i think that for a lot of people the move, the the enjoyment of the movie is kind of gonna live or die on the on the smaller moments like that. The more, um, I don't know, not the more mundane aspects, but the more run of the mill, I guess. I also love, uh, which I don't know if I said yet on the show before. I, well, maybe I have. I love the wardrobe in this movie. It, yeah, it's, it's good so costume real. design. It's good costume design. Yes, I'll say that. Um, it does. It does very much feel like this was set in the seventies. Everyone's wearing weird clothes, like uh, I don't know, overalls. Yeah. Who does that you know like, that's so weird. Like whenever a boomer makes like a teen movie, like the characters will have a shirt that says like rock and roll on it, and then the other character will have one that says like surfs up or whatever. And then like the nerd wear. character has. And then the nerd character has a shirt that says, like, classically trained with, like, an any <laughs> controller or something like that. Because they think everybody wears their personality on their sleeves. <laughs> Look, guys, I was a nerd in high school. I was wearing plain color shirts. And the nerds in this wear plain color shirts. Although, I guess you could say that the stoners in this movie, and there's one stoner character in particular who's, whose name escapes me. I love him. But, but he's just very prototypical weed man he's he's wearing like a beanie he's got like a shirt with a marijuana leaf on he's got long hair uh he kind of looks like my drug dealer so i didn't <laughs> that Holy funny. Shit. <laughs> um, um, that was a wig too actually oh was it yeah he had short hair at the time so that that wig was like 
stitched on with the hat. Oh, cool. You know, that'd be a nice collector's piece. Yeah. To have the cap with the wig. Mm-hmm. That's up there with Luke's lightsaber, you know? That's that's a that's a grail. <laughs> that is. I need to get that for the room. Yeah, for the room? Mm-hmm. At a, yeah, I don't know. You'll have a hard time explaining that one. <laughs> it might be a little bit rough. One other thing. I, you said this earlier. Um, the, the whole movie basically happens in, like, less than 24 hours. And you get this nice transition of lighting... I, I really appreciate that too. Like you'll go from like natural lighting at the beginning of the movie to like street lights or, um, you know, um, storefront lights, whatever. Um, the lighting is constantly changing and it always, it always looks nice. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a pretty, it's a movie that's shot pretty well. Mm-hmm. I actually think it has pretty good shot composition and everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, you it's it's something that people might not pay attention to given that a lot of the scenes are just a bunch of teenagers drinking beer in the back of a truck or something like that but it he, he there are some inspired sort of camera angles and such like that that i appreciated i the lighting is not something i notice in particular but it'll definitely be something i look for on the rewatch mm-hmm. uh, it's yeah, this is a weird episode because I have, like, I really like this movie, but I feel like I've said kind of everything that I needed to say about it. It's a short episode. Well, the thing with this movie is that it's not a movie that will inspire, I, I assume, a lot of in-depth critical analysis. Because yeah. it's a very simple movie, but that's not necessarily to its detriment. It's a good movie, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where you watch and you sort of understand... And it's not, you know, it, there is there isn't a lot of symbolism here. There isn't a lot of like complex layers, but that's not a bad thing at all. It does. It sets out to do what it wants to do, and I think it does it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, the one thing, one thing that I kind of dislike about this movie is, um, I don't know, like there's just some stuff at the end that I think is kind of weak. What do you think is... Uh, I actually like the ending for the film quite a bit. I like the Randall's uh, run into the sunset with his friends to get Aerosmith tickets. I, I yeah. really liked when Mitch returns home, his mom chastises him a little, and he relaxes on his bed while he's drunk listening to some rock and roll music. I thought the resolution was pretty well done. I, I don't know why. I, those, like The Mitch returning home thing was just like... Uh, I don't know if it was like a dialogue issue, but it didn't... I, it just kind of seemed uh, unimportant to me. Um, and the end with the coach, it never, like, it didn't, it wasn't as poignant as I think, for me, as I think they wanted it to be. Um, he, I don't know, it just never, it never hit home. Like, maybe because people didn't cheer and everyone clapped and the coach, you know, didn't cry and he said, and fuck you. And he said, <laughs> and he no coach, what him. about you? <laughs> no dad what about you it just uh also i don't look like uh bender from the breakfast club i'm gonna s- say that now yeah by the way yeah so i you know we may or may not get around to the breakfast club i don't know if it i guess it's called it's a good movie too but we'll see if you guys don't know what luke looks like 
And Luke will cope and, you know, he'll bring up this time that he asked pet value customers because he was so worried about it. This dude looks like Bender from The Breakfast Club. No. Uh, so if you have, if you want to know what, um, just, just picture Luke as Bender from The Breakfast Club. And you can picture me as like 1979 era Michael Jackson, if you want. <laughs> like kind of rock with you era. Yeah. So that, that'll work for me. One of my favorite parts of this movie is when um, Mr. Weed Shirt Man uh, and his buddies are just hanging around and he's, he, they're talking about like aliens and about how George Washington was like a dopehead. Uh, I've never, yeah. I've never smoked weed before, but that sort of conversation I think is what it would be like. Yeah, and 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 there's all and like the small touch. Um, when uh, Mila Jovovich's character is playing the guitar and then she just puts the lighter to her face and then she's just waving it around, staring <laughs> at it because she's so stoned. It's just a small little stuff like that. That seems obvious, but it's done in a very in a very endearing way, so it's enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I would just I, just... I recommend you, you, the listener, watch this movie. You will most likely enjoy it. You'll probably like this movie. I'll I'll agree. Um, it didn't. If you're curious, it's a cult movie because this movie made no fucking money. Uh, it was like six point eight million. I think it made eight million back. Um, also, and I can understand why because the advertising for this movie, it's it's not the type of movie that you know that hits the blockbuster video and everyone's rushing out to rent it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. It's just a movie about teenagers in the seventies. It's probably hard to pitch, but it's a good movie, and I would I would recommend it. I've also seen um, Richard Linklater did like a spiritual successor to this movie, which I also enjoyed, and I think I'll enjoy more after watching this because I was also I also had some qualms with the freeform nature of the story. And that he does the same. It's called Everybody Wants Some. He just um, it's a, it's about a college baseball team. Uh, in the eighties, so it's kind of a successor to that. Came a few years, came out a few years back, but it's pretty good. Hmm. If you're a Taste and Confused fan, Lucas, you'll definitely want to watch this one. We can watch it together. Yeah, we should. Just you and me, buddy. And all the people. And yet yeah, you <laughs> and me and all of the people. Fun fact: uh, Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones. Um, agree to let Link later use rock and roll from Led Zeppelin in the movie, but Robert Plant refused. Yeah. Oh my god. Don't really know what's up with artists saying, no, you can't use this song in my movie. Uh, some of them are prima donnas. Most of them, I suppose. Um, and also a lot of them are just mentally ill. So, oh well. <laughs> well, yeah, like I said at the beginning, the Aerosmith charged them a hundred grand to have sweet emotion in the movie and they were which, not allowed to use it for official soundtrack releases like which to me is like crazy that they forked over for that because it's a good song and it definitely fits the scene that it's in but i don't really think the movie would be downgraded significantly without that well i don't know that's just like the director's um artistic vision so i mean if he wants Aerosmith did it really badly. I mean, that's what he's he's gonna do, I guess. You know, maybe he should have uh, put more money into uh, more putting a plot together instead. There is okay. Well, there's a plot. Uh, well, there's quite a few, and they work really well, in my opinion. Well, we'll see. 
Well, we will. Also, one other thing. Um, in this movie, they, you know, boys being boys, they hijack uh, these two statues and uh, put Kiss makeup on them as if anybody actually likes Kiss. Well, yeah. people did like Kiss at the time. God. Kiss, eh. Kiss at that time, and and this is a crude analogy, but it's like Kiss would have been like Imagine Dragons, I guess. <laughs> like people like Imagine Dragons now; they're immensely popular, and music snobs will be like, "Oh, their music sucks," and later on, their music might not endure. But I mean, if you were going to make a Days and Confused film set in the twenty tens. You wouldn't, you know, get Animal Collective or Death Grips. Tame Impala. You, you would, yeah, you you get some Tame Impala, even though he's good. Or you'd get, like, you know, you get, like, Bobby Shmurda or something, <laughs> you know? Like, it fits the time. Mm-hmm. There's there's classics in here, and there's stuff that you might have forgotten about because that's the nature of popular music. Why I brought it up, this is just an interesting little bit of trivia. It was the uh, the statues that they were supposed to steal originally were supposed to be Ronald McDonald statues, but Mr. McDonald said, no, you may not. How dare you use our brand and disparage it in that way? And unbelievable. Even though when I go to the McDonald's at 12 a.m., every worker I see there is uh, high as hell. Okay, well, we can't prove that. Well, well, we can't, but we we know. Well, you know, I, we don't have official confirmation. They, I think, really, they're just sad. Um, <laughs> sad making honest. money. Making well, yeah. Angry. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people all the time who are sad making money because it's a lot of the times the way they're making funny money um, is not enjoyable. Okay, this isn't a politics show, Matthew. Please. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, uh, pick yourself up by the bootstraps and get to work, ladies Wait, and gentlemen, G. and you will be happy. True. Uh, All right, you ready to go to bags? Yeah. All right, hit him. No, I've been going first. I want you to go first. All right, you know, I was I was hemming and hawing. I actually think I liked the movie better upon reflection and a second viewing. I'm gonna give this one. Four bags. All right. I'm give four bags. I was thinking, you know, maybe I'll give it three. I'm going to give it four bags because it's definitely rewatchable. I'll definitely watch it again. Mm-hmm. And really, some of the other stuff is inconsequential when you think of what Richard Linklater was kind of going for for this movie. So four bags of popcorn and uh, maybe like a little bit too much butter that the... <laughs> The lady at Cineplex did like you asked for double layer, but she thought that meant just like put like all of it on top, right? And then your fingers get kind of wet when you're watching the movie, and you can't go get napkins because like you're already five minutes into the movie, you're not gonna get up and get napkins. Mm-hmm. So you wipe it on your pants, but you still feel uncomfortable, and you try to ignore it, but it's kind of like nagging at you while you're watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And then you know it's nice when you get up to wash your hands but then you're kind of thinking i didn't like that movie that much but i wonder how much of the experience was sully because of this whole butter predicament mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you begin mm-hmm. to think you know yep wrap it up why do i let these little things mm-hmm. bother me so much yeah and uh yeah so <laughs> you All got right. bags uh, i got some bags um 
Now, the movie's not perfect. Name a perfect movie. The Empire Strikes Back. Name another one. Star Wars 77. Name another one. Brazil. Name another one. Toy Story. How can you say Brazil is a perfect movie? How can you say that when? Easily. I just... Huh? How how can you say that it is a perfect movie when it has Robert De Niro in it? How could he do that? I, do you not like him? No, I'm just joking. I like Robert De Niro. Um, well, I like him in some stuff. Like yeah. what? What do I like him in? Mm-hmm. Like Name him in every Godfather. movie that you like him in. I like him in Godfather. Mm-hmm. I like him in Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him... In Brazil, actually, it's very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really like him that much in Joker. I like him in Joker. I don't like modern De Niro because it's kind of late. Like Meet the Parents, De Niro. Like, <laughs> haha, you want to milk me? Like, I don't know. Yeah, you know, you went from Raging Bull to this. Like asking Ben Stiller if he wants to milk you. I don't know. <laughs> it's just a step down to me. Yeah, it doesn't work. Um, but, oh, like, I, there was, like, a week where I watched this movie maybe, like, three or four times in it. I really liked this movie. I bought the DVD, like, I broke. I should have bought the Criterion, but it's too late. I bought the DVD. I like this movie a lot. Um, I'm gonna give it 9 out of 10. High praise. Yeah, I don't know. I really like it. I like it more than, um, it's, uh... I don't know, fa- it's Father, um, American Graffiti. I have not seen American Graffiti. I, it's not really a cult film, I guess, because it, uh, I think it was, it was, I think it was pretty popular. Oh, God, I, yes, I have, it made a ton of money, I'm pretty sure. One second. Uh, its budget was $777,000. At the box office, it made $140 million. I see. A couple of bucks in uh, Georgie's pocket. Yeah, and then he used that to fund Star Wars. It has become one of the most profitable films of all time. Wow. Like, how did he go from American Graffiti and Star Wars to what happened in those 10 years? To what? I'm going to enlist the members of COP, and I've, and I've, done, I've been doing research into this, and there's a 10-year period after producing... Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where George Lucas is only involved with one movie in a very indirect way. And then after that 10 years, he puts out Phantom Menace. What happened? Well, I mean, I think he was kind of slipping at, like, Return of the Jedi, because that movie is not, like, perfect. (laughs) But he did, like, but, like, Raider, like, all of Indiana Jones, I would say, is high quality. Yeah. So, and, you know, he was doing, let me see what else, let me see his discography, like his filmography here, his discography. Maybe it was, like, the money, I don't know, because, like, Phantom Menace was very heavily targeted towards kids, and he wanted to make money off of, off of that, I don't know. You know what, he did, he did produce Howard the Duck, I don't know much, how much involvement he actually had in that, but that was a big mistake. And that, well, he, that was in his contract, he had to. Okay, so you know what? I'm not going to fault him for that one. Yeah. So what happens in these... Uh, he produces Radioland Murders. 
It's just this no nobody movie that nobody remembers. Um, and then he puts out Phantom Menace, and how do you do that? Did he write that as well, Phantom Menace? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, he did write it. Cause like the writing in the like remember it's terrible. When did we watch Phantom Menace together? Just Attack of the Clones. We watched all the prequels. And like the writing, just so bad. And you know, and I, I know people malign the writing in like Star Wars, the original series, yeah. but. Like in seventy seven, I really am not bothered by any of the dialogue because it kind of fits. It's 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 a very dramatic, uh, you know, aesthetic you're going for here with the space pulp. Mm-hmm. So to me, it kind of fits. But then in Phantom Menace, it kind of veers into like, okay, this is this is extremely awkward wording territory where things just don't even make sense. This is pod racing. No, it's not. That's not pod racing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like the dialogue it's just like the, the stories just do not make any logical sense anyway i want you guys to help me on this i don't think lucas won't pick up my calls i try to go to skywalker ranch um they gave me something called a restraining order i'm not allowed back there i'm actually not allowed in the state of california anymore so if you guys have any info just let me know uh comment on the Instagram page, and uh, we'll see. You know what movie we should do? Fanboys. No. What? We're gonna. You want to do fanboys? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens when I pick it. Um, I think I'll just say no. I mean, the movie sucks uh, real bad, but we look. We've been too generous. We need to start picking some. Uh, some deep cuts. I have crap movies on the slate here. You know what? If you want, I'll pick a couple of crap movies for uh, my month. Well, yeah, I, I was just going to say this. Uh, we have an Instagram if you want to follow it. Basically, we'll just post what we are going to be reviewing next. Um, and just little quick reviews of all the movies that we look at. Uh, it's Cop Podcast, all one word. If you're listening to this on umfm.com, we're also on Spotify as well as Apple um podcast or whatever it's called um and next week we're doing hearts of darkness and after that matt what are we doing we're doing a little film called harold and maud okay harold and maud um this is a this is a deep cut no not really a deep cut i think people know a lot about this but it's a coming of age dark comedy drama with dark humor and existentialist themes about this teenage boy intrigued with death and his romantic relationship with a 79-year-old woman. So it's going to be interesting, to say the least. Okay. It was really unsuccessful when it came out, and it developed a cult following uh, in about 1980 or 83. So maybe one of the original cult films. Not really. I don't know how far cult, cult, cinema culture goes back. We should have a history episode. We should. Uh, what's up here? I want to see if this movie counts because I need an, an excuse to watch it again. Uh, Warriors, come out and play. We're gonna. We gotta do Warriors too. Damn, Metropolis it's, isn't cult shit. I'm sorry, man. This isn't the the good movie review show. Okay, we already, we already, we already pushing it. When when I let you do motion picture, 
that okay. I, we're not having this talk again. We're not. I, I'm, we're not having the talk again. I'm just telling you what the case is, and you you can listen or not. But I'm telling you what's happening. It's called Star Trek. Is called Star Trek. Is called, but that movie is not. No, because it, it it carries over. No, it does. Cope, uh, Trekkie Cope, Trekkie Cope. <laughs> I do me. Oh, can you post that on the Instagram? Uh, I can, yeah. If you guys have never seen it before, just take a look at William Shatner's Twitter account. It's a trip. It, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, this man is 90 years old, looking like a toad, trolling <laughs> trolling people on his Twitter account. Classic. Okay, we're both really tired. I'm going to call it here. All right, uh, next week, Hearts of Darkness, after that, Harold and Maude. And uh, we'll see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. Take care. Uh, Roger out.